Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Uh, beautiful day here in Las Vegas. Uh, we're talking about the draft. Uh, we're a day closer uh, to the NFL draft. It is next, kicks off next Thursday, April 29th. Uh, I can't wait. This is one of my favorite times uh, of the year. Uh, not just, you know, because of what I do covering an NFL team, um, but just, you know, I can remember growing up as a fan. Uh, and if, if for, for some of the older folks, I know you'll remember uh, back in the day when, you know, the draft started at 9 a.m. California time or Pacific, you know, coast time, maybe even a little bit earlier, if I, if I remember correctly, it might have been about 8 a.m. or so on a Wednesday morning, <laughs> you know, uh, it was in the middle of the week. And uh, I used to, that was the one day that I could get my dad and mom to say, you know what, if you want to stay home, you can stay home. And I would literally stay home on draft day. Seriously, for the first round, it would take for they would do like I think the first three rounds uh, on that on that first day, and then followed up the next day. And um, but just waking up early, having all my material, all my information, uh, you know, on, on 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 the draft picks. And my dad would call me. My dad was a New York Giants fan, and he would call me from work. Um, hey, what did the Giants do? You know, who's still available? So uh, it was just a day that I used to always get geeked up for uh, back in the day and, and still do to this day. And I know that, you know, there's people out there, well, you know, is it overblown? Probably. You know, everything gets overblown in, uh, in, in life these days. But it's an important obviously, it's an important tool uh, for, for any team. Uh, you make or break yourself uh, over the course of X number of years on how well you draft. That's just the facts of the matter. That's why, you know, unfortunately for the Raiders over the last, you know, two decades or so, uh, they haven't been able to consistently get it right in the draft and it's cost them uh, on the field and has led to far too many start, stop, start, stop. You know, this regime comes in, they get cleared out. Uh, a new regime comes in. I think what they're looking for right now is stability and consistency and patience uh, and, you know, giving John Gruden, the head coach, the security of a long-term contract uh, and the understanding that, you know, it's going to take some time to get this thing right. Uh, but, you know, you have that security uh, to to take the time to make this, uh, you know, a uh, – or just build a strong foundation that's going to help hopefully uh, ensure long-range success and not just fleeting success. And, you know, I I know that obviously it hasn't happened as quickly as as Raider Nation wants it to get turned around. Uh, I can uh, absolutely say that uh, that's the sentiment inside the building, uh, but they're committed to sticking with this plan and seeing it through. Uh, there has been progress. Uh, if you look at the record, uh, there's you know been more wins each and every year. Uh, now the trick is uh, getting the defense fixed in a way that uh, they're going to be able to be relied on uh, in these next coming years because if they can, this is a playoff team. Uh, I'm just letting you know right now. Uh, out to the Raider Nation uh, guest line, or excuse me, caller line, uh, Gangster Raider is online, wants to talk about the Raiders. How are you doing, Gangster Raider? Yeah, I need to be a guest. You got it right. It's the guest line. <laughs> there you go. But, but anyway, um, I just want to say, I think I agree with the New England, a blood from New England that just called, you know what I'm saying, um, about the lineman. A lot of people don't understand the importance of that right tackle or the line, period. 
that's why I say if we don't get um, Parsons or Sertain, which I know Sertain is a pipe dream, I say we trade back and try to get as many picks as we can and go all linemen first round and then try to get our safety and defensive help by trading back in the second round, too, by getting – we think we need to get as many picks as we can and then get playmakers that's, you know, for the defense that way because we got to hit on something because all these last few drafts since um since um Gruden and them been here, they've they been, they been missing. They ain't been hitting on the draft. So in order to hit, try to get as many draft picks as we can instead of getting that one in the first round, just try to get two or three. You know what I'm saying? And go all linemen first round. That's why I agree with blood for New England. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you know, I still think that um, in a lot of these cases, uh, it's it's still too early. I mean, you you can't call the twenty twenty draft. It's just it's just too early uh, to make a, a a call on that. And uh, there is talent um, uh, out of that draft. Uh, I think Henry Ruggs is going to take a big step forward in year two. Uh, I think Damon Arnett, if he's healthy, uh, should be much better, obviously, than he was last year playing through uh, an injury. Uh, Brian Edwards, I believe, uh, has, a, has a, a future and a bright future. I think he's a ball player. Uh, so I think it's it's too early to make the call in the 2020 draft. Uh, I think that Clee Farrell is going to be a good, productive player uh, on a good defense. Uh, got no worries about that. I think Max Crosby, when utilized correctly, and I think – uh, if you bring his snap cat and that count down, well, I'm talking oh, about just the first rounders, just the first. Look, think about all the first round picks we didn't had since Gruden came on. Well, all the uh, hit we had really is Clee Farrell and um, Jacob. First well, round. Col- I mean Colton Miller is is one of the better left tackles in the NFL. He's fine. Uh, he's he's the guy that. Oh yeah, I'll be, I'll be forgetting, and that that was Gruden's first. Yeah, draft. it was. It was. It was. Yeah. Right. Right. So what we got three hits. Out of how many first rounders? I think we had five first rounders one draft, and three the next one, right? So we got three hits out of like at least eight first round picks. That's what I'm saying. Well, I we mean, but pick. again, but again, but again, two of those um, were just from last year, and and so so you have to give some time to two of those guys. Uh, to me, Henry Ruggs has a chance to be a very good player in the NFL and a hit. Uh, and and same with Damon Arnett. You have to wait for that to to play out. Um, I, I, no question, it's on Jonathan Abrams, uh, Jonathan Abram, uh, uh, to get himself settled down and uh, into a productive player. Uh, and if he doesn't, then that was a huge miss, no question about it. But he still has a chance, I think, under this new regime, now coming back for a second full season, uh, to be a good player, but a, a good, solid football player. So, um, you know, I'm not ruling out some of those first-round picks as bust just yet just yet you know and I think Hunter Renfro has been a good pick I think Max Crosby uh, has been surprisingly a, a, you know a, a good pick uh, so we'll have to see we'll have to see if John Simpson uh, is ready to to be you know somebody that could be depended on uh, along the offensive line uh, I think Foster Moreau now that he's back completely healthy he showed you what he could do in 2019 when he was healthy obviously he got gets hurt it was a serious knee injury it took him a while to come back it cut into uh, some of his season last year but I think he has a chance uh, to still be a, a, a you know a, a good player we'll see if Tanner Muse uh, if there's a if there's a future for for Tanner Muse I know he's put in the work I could tell you that uh, Amik Robertson um, we'll see if he's you know somebody that uh, that can make a move this year so it's like I said it's I think it's too early especially for that 2020 draft to call it um, there just wasn't 
enough time. Uh, a lot of those guys were hurt. A lot of those guys, Tanner Muse didn't even get out of training camp. He was hurt. He didn't play. So there's no no judgment on a Tanner Muse right now. Amik Robertson making a position change as a fourth-round pick. It's dubious that you're going to get a fourth-round pick on the field in that first season. Uh, it just it usually doesn't work that way. There's a development phase to it, and and we'll see if he's if he's been able to make that transition from outside cornerback, <clears throat> excuse me, to, to slot cornerback. Um, so yeah, you know, uh, if we're if what we're, you think about taking all linemen in the in the first round if we if we draft back? I mean, if we trade back. Well, I think that I think whether you stay at seventeen or trade back at seventeen, yeah, there's there's definitely a good chance that it's going to be an offensive lineman, no question about it. Um, you know, if you stay at seventeen and Christian Derisaw is there, uh, I think you pull the plug uh, on, or you you know you pull the, pl- the trigger on that. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, I think Fitz is he is he is it too high for, to draft him at number seventeen? Maybe, but he's you know he's he's a guy that should be able to be a day one and long-term starter. So if you figure, hey, uh, we're going to miss out on him if we don't draft him now at number 17, uh, I, could, I could see that. Or maybe, like you said, trade back and still be able to get a Tevon Jenkins uh, a few picks later. So there's definitely uh, that option. There's also the, uh, the trade-up option. Um, you know, Gangster Raider, would you be interested in trading up maybe a future first-round pick to go get a difference maker like a Micah Parsons? Yeah, but... Um, only him. You know, if it's not him, then trade back. You see what I'm saying? Well, no, I'm saying, we, would you trade think, up for him think, though? Would you trade up for yeah. him? Yeah, yeah. I said only him, though. Only him or certain. But I, I don't, I don't think that's a need. You know what I'm saying? Because we got corners. You know what I'm saying? So only him and certain I would trade up for. But since certain is a need, only him. You see what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. I think I, there's there's two guys that I would um, trade up for. Uh, Sewell, the uh, the offensive lineman from Oregon, because I think he's a generational talent. Oh, yeah. Talent. Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. I forgot about him. And, and Parsons. Um, I mean, if you think that Sertain or, or J.C. Horn. But what, what would you, what would you um, trade up, willing to be willing to trade up for him for? Uh, it, what, what, what would it take? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Um, well, for, okay. Well, what, what would you be willing to give up? Well, give um, up? let's just let's just use uh, pick number seven, uh, the Detroit Lions, as an example. Um, from what I'm hearing, uh, it would take pro- the ballpark would be obviously this year's number seventeen. So you swap, you know, seventeen for seven. Mm-hmm. You throw in next year's number one, and maybe a fourth rounder this year, or maybe your second, third round pick this year. So, so basically, oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. That you know, I'm with you. A lot of people are saying that that's an overpay, but I don't, I don't know to to go get a difference maker, uh, even if it means giving up next year's number one. If 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 things work out right for the Raiders, um, you know, this might be a playoff team next year. Let's just say that it's a playoff team. So so that yeah, number and think about it. If we um we can end up trading Mariota and getting that number one back, you know, what I'm saying somebody gonna need a quarterback before the season's over with. And we got Mariota. We can end up trading Mariota and getting our number one back. Well, I don't know about a number one, uh, but you know, if if Trust there's a team that if if there's Trust a team, me, they're gonna be desperate enough. <laughs> at least four or five for real. The way this offseason season gonna look, at least four or five quarterbacks are gonna go down. Team's gonna be desperate for a quality quarterback. You know what I'm saying? And he could start. Mariota could start on teams. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, you and know we're gonna end up getting the number one if we play hardball like Al Davis would. 
like Al Davis will play, we're going to get a number one for Mariota. Yeah, I agree. And, well, I don't know about a number one. I got to – it would – I mean – you, you know, um, perhaps. Walk my words. We go get our number one back for well, Mariota. Gangster Raider is, uh, is is calling it um, a number one pick. I appreciate the call, brother. Uh, always, um, you know that. So, um, you know, m- make some good points. Uh, if 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 a Micah Parsons isn't there at number seventeen, and if a Christian Darasa isn't there at number seventeen, do you think about trading back, um, picking up some extra picks? Uh, and still being able to draft, you know, one of the offensive linemen that you like. Maybe it is Tevon Jenkins. Maybe that. Maybe it's just too much. Um, you know, at seventeen, maybe that's a little bit too high for him. But maybe at twenty, twenty-one, um, if you trade back, uh, that's that's where he would slot, and you pick up, you know, uh, some extra arsenal uh, for 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 the troubles. Uh, we'll see. Or do you trade up? Would you trade next year's number one uh, to move up? in a position to go get a Micah Parsons or maybe uh, a Sewell if he's uh, Penny Sewell um, if he's there at number seven or number six. Uh, would you would you contemplate, think about, consider, be open to giving up next year's number one and a mid-round pick uh, this year uh, to go, uh, you know, take, to position yourself in order to get one of the really premier players in this draft? Uh, if, 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 if you do that, there has to be a guarantee that, A, um, you're still going to be able to, you know, let's just say it's Micah Parsons. You have to have a strong conviction and confidence that somewhere along the line um, in that second round and in that third round, you're going to be able to get your free safety. You're going to be able to get your tackle, um, even in spite of giving up something to go up uh, a little bit further to go get a Micah Parsons. You have to be sure that you're still going to be able to get a guy that you can count on as a starter at both of those positions, free safety uh, and tackle. So um, if if you know if if that's if that's what it takes to go get a Micah Parsons, I'd I'd have to say that I'd have to think about that. He's that good of a player. He's a guy that you can you know um, send at the quarterback. Uh, you know on passing downs, he's somebody that can drop back in coverage. Uh, on passing downs, I think that even though we haven't seen him do a whole lot of that uh, at Penn State, remember he only played his freshman and, and sophomore years. Uh, there was a whole other year last year. He didn't play last year. Uh, there's a whole other year that he could have put that kind of stuff on tape, which I think he would have to sort of increase his value uh, and to show NFL teams what this guy is capable of doing. Um, he's too good of an athlete not to be able to pull off the pass coverage uh, aspect. Too good of an athlete and too smart. Uh, but he's also somebody that you can use in pass rush. He's somebody that you can count on to clean it up in the in the run game. Uh, you get defensive linemen that are that are you know sacrificing themselves in order for him to go make plays behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, uh, shortly beyond the line of scrimmage in run defense. Uh, he's a guy that can play sideline to sideline. He can go hunt uh, in the run game. So he, to me, he's a guy that is just too good to pass up. He and Sewell are the two guys uh, that, if I'm the Raiders, I'd be willing to to give up a future first round pick uh, to go, excuse me, to, uh, to go trade for. But what about you? What are your thoughts? You know, on that on that situation? Give us a call 702-365-9200. What would you be willing to give up to move into the top ten, or do you stand pat uh, at at number seventeen? Draft the best tackle available, plug him in as the day one starter. Wait. 
wait until you know number forty eight to get your safety, um, and then you know you'll, you'll be in a really good position at that point just by playing it straight. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. We're back in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. This is Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Welcome back in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're talking about the draft. We're talking about scenarios. We're talking about what you're willing to do to go get a player that you just have uh, a conviction about that you have to go get uh, that player. I know conventional wisdom is you don't give up future first round picks for non quarterbacks, um, but you know if if you feel like you got to get to number seven, if you're the Raiders or anybody else for that matter, uh, to go get a guy that a non quarterback uh, that you feel is going to make uh, a significant difference on your team, uh, you, you have to be open to that. You have to be. Uh, willing to get bold uh, sometimes, you know, and I know that, you know, covering the the Rams uh, for the years that I covered the Rams, uh, they traded many a first round pick away for non quarterbacks. Um, you know, when you're talking about uh, Marcus Peters, when you're talking about um, Jalen Ramsey, uh, when you're talking about Brandon Cooks, they traded away future first round picks and current first round picks uh, for those for those players. And, you know, it didn't kill them. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, this whole notion that you're mortgaging your future, uh, you know, uh, to go to go trade a first round pick for somebody, I think is a uh, is, is inaccurate. Now, of course, um, the flip side of that argument is, well, those were um, proven players and completely understand that completely get that. Uh, and there that is a big difference. And you have to acknowledge that. But if you feel like, uh, a guy like Micah Parsons um, or anybody else, Penny Sewell, uh, is just a can't-miss player, can't-miss prospect, and you have every every instinct in you, everything that you've been taught, every uh, ounce of uh, experience that you have tells you, you know what, this guy is going to be a player that we're going to be able to stick over there at tackle for the next 10 years, or this guy is a player that – uh, we're going to be able to put on our defense, utilize him in a whole bunch of different ways, and he's going to make a whole bunch of plays for us because the one thing, this is why this is, to me, uh, so compelling if you're the Raiders to trade up to go get a Micah Parsons. This Raiders defense, they've invested you know, a first-round pick in Damon Arnett, a first-round pick in Cleve Farrell, uh, money in, in Corey Littleton, uh, money in Yannick Ngakwe, money in um, uh, Nick Wachowski, a second-round pick in Trayvon Mullen, a first-round pick uh, in Jonathan Abram. There's talent on this defense. Are there difference makers on this defense? Well, so far, in the last couple of years, what we saw out there last year, there is the potential of some really good, solid, productive uh, NFL players but is there a consistent game changer? No, uh, I'd have to say no. I had to see Yannick Ngakwe in a Raider uniform. I know that he's uh, has has had the ability and has shown uh, over the course of his career that he can uh, make game changing plays. Uh, you know, he's 
one of five players since 2016 that has 40 or more sacks uh, and forced 15 or more fumbles. That's pretty elite company um, over a over a significant now time frame uh, of proof that he can make plays. And so we'll have to see uh, with him. But outside of that, I think Corey Littleton is a guy that has been timely in his career, has come up with big plays uh, in his career, but mostly he's a good, solid, dependable um, player. He wasn't able to show that uh, last year, but I've seen it, you know, uh, in the, in the, the two previous years covering the Los Angeles Rams that he can be an asset on your defense. I think Nick Kwiatkowski could be a good, solid player. I think uh, Clee Farrell could be a good, solid uh, player. And you need good, solid players. Don't, you know, uh, uh, twist that. But you also need guys that can just be just a wrecking ball out there, forcing turnovers, making big plays, uh, making game-altering plays. And I think Micah Parsons is that guy. So uh, when you when you think about this Raiders defense and the investment that they've made uh, in young talent and the investment that they've made in their new coaching staff uh, and new defensive leader um, in Gus Bradley and the staff that he's brought up brought in with him. Uh, do you feel good about where this defense is, especially now also with some free agent additions, uh, that you can get bold to bring in one decisive type of a game uh, changer, and are you willing to give up a future first-round pick to do that? Uh, I think where the Raiders are right now, I'd be extremely open to that. I just think that highly of a Micah Parsons. I could be wrong, uh, but I think that he's the type of guy that they need to add uh, to this defense, there aren't many chances you can get where you can uh, to go get somebody that can just change a game and be that kind of a player. And he's got so many different skills, so you know, tremendous athletic ability, uh, tremendous playmaking ability, playmaking ability. Can rush the passer. Uh, I believe is athletic enough to defend in the pass. Uh, and be a, that hunter uh, in the uh, in the run game. Uh, so yeah, I think that he's somebody that you'd have to think about giving up a future first round pick to go move up into the draft, uh, move high enough in the draft to go make sure that you get him. Um, short of that, do you stand pat at number seventeen? Play it safe. There's nothing wrong with that either. Um, and get your right tackle at number seventeen. Wait until that second round to get your safety. I think all of that, that's avail- That's the good news for the Raiders. In, in, in a way, they're operating from a position of strength. Uh, if they don't trade up to go get the difference maker, they can still stand pat and fill two huge needs at 17 and 48, You know, drafting a tackle uh, and then drafting the free safety at, at number 48, or vice versa, <laughs> if you want to do it vice versa. Uh, there's there's definitely players available, especially at that tackle position, uh, that that you know gives you confidence that you could wait to 48 even to get your right tackle. Maybe it is uh, Trevon uh, Morig from TCU at number 17. Um, but I'm you know putting the the call out to Raider Nation. What are your thoughts? What do you want to do? Uh, do you want to stand pat, or you know we didn't even we haven't talked about it trading back? Uh, maybe you could pick up an extra third round pick. Uh, or fourth round pick um, in order to to move down um, a few spots to get a player that you want to, or still have access to a player that you want, but also pick up some assets that maybe you could utilize to move back up 
maybe you move back up into the second round uh, to 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 go ensure that you get you know one of the better players in this draft. So you know we'll see. There's plenty of options. Uh, we're about what eight nine days away from uh, the the draft itself, or should I say seven days? Right or nine nine days away from the draft. Uh, I'm losing track of of my days, but we're we're closing in uh, on the NFL draft. It can't get here soon enough. If I see one more mock draft, uh, I think my head will explode. But that's you know that that's the time of year that we're in, and especially now where you know free agency continues to unfold. Uh, so that changes draft needs for teams, uh, reporters, and guys that and women that, uh, that 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 put together those mock drafts are monitoring all the situation situations around the NFL. Where are teams at with their rosters? What moves have they made to fill holes? Do they need uh, to rush, uh, you know, for a certain position in the first round? No, oh, they 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 were able to sign somebody in free agency uh, to lessen the anxiety and the urgency at that position. Uh, maybe it opens the door to to you know uh, to, to draft uh, a, a more of a best player um, available scenario rather than you know having to to uh, pull the trigger early on just to fill a need. So. Um, it's interesting. Uh, it gets more and more interesting, but it also requires, you know, for the for all of this to work. Um, really, it's not so much counting on who they get in the draft, who the Raiders get in the draft. It's gonna that's gonna be an important uh, aspect to it because, again, we've been talking about it in the entire show. They need a right tackle. They need a free safety, and they're probably gonna get their long range answers. At that, that those two positions in the draft, and those guys need to be able to play in a hurry. But the reality is also, the Raiders need young players to step up. They need Henry Ruggs to step up. They need Damon Arnett to step up. Uh, they need Brian Edwards to step up. They need Clee Farrell to continue to get better. They need Max Crosby to continue to get better. Uh, they need Corey Littleton um, to to. Uh, you know, be the player that uh, they thought they were getting when they signed him uh, from the Rams. They need Nick Kwiatkowski, Nick Kwiatkowski to, um, you know, continue to do what he's doing. They need Trayvon Mullen uh, to play better. They need Jonathan Abram uh, to play better. And I say all that because this is such an important time of year um, for guys, the guys that we just mentioned, uh, to, to get better and to solidify themselves. This is a, uh, this is a development period uh, here in April and over these next three months or so. And, you know, we all saw last week that the Raiders joined um, a handful of other NFL teams by voting to skip uh, the in-person aspect of OTAs. That's really not going to be a factor until next month when in phase two, we're currently in phase one, which started yesterday. But in phase two is when players are allowed to now get on the field with their coaches to do football-type activities. And we're talking about 11-on-11s and 7-on-7s and 9-on-7s uh, where, where you have a football out there, you've got coaching out there. And to paint a picture, you kind of – this is how it all works. You have meetings during the day, classroom you know, work during one part of the day, and then – you immediately go out to the football field uh, to apply what you learned in the classroom to the football field. Well, as we stand right now, uh, players are opting against participating in that voluntary phase where they're getting onto the field. Uh, they made that decision, the Raiders did, last week in a vote. Uh, plenty of other teams have joined them um, in, in, in you know, taking that same path. 
the Players Association is using the cover of COVID-19. They're still concerned about COVID-19. That's really not it, and I'll explain why here in a second. Um, it's more about retaliation against the NFL adding the 17th game, which players signed off on in the last collective bargaining agreement. Um, but anyway, uh, there, you know, so so it's taken. It's not COVID-19. The reality is they're they're trying to negotiate something, whether it's a reformed OTA or eliminating OTAs, whatever the case might be. They're using. Um, this opportunity to try to get something that they want. They're, they're saying we're not going to participate in the voluntary um, aspect of OTAs. Uh, and for us to come back, maybe we need to redo this. Maybe we, re- we need to rethink that. So it's a negotiating play. But as it applies to the Raiders, it's a big deal because I thought it really hurt them, especially that young defense last year, when they weren't able to, uh, to, to have a regular offseason due to COVID-19. But I'll say this, you know, been at the facility today, doing the show from the facility today, um, had to take care of some other business earlier in the day that took me out uh, to the facility. And you know what I saw today? A full parking lot here. There are a lot of players, in spite of the fact that they voted, um, you know, to, uh, to, to not participate in the in-person uh, part of OTAs, there's a lot of players that are still taking advantage of what is available to them right now in these buildings, in this Raider building, uh, in terms of working out in the weight room, in terms of getting on the field individually as players without coaches uh, to do agility work and, 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 and all that sort of thing. So there, there is uh, a work ethic and work commitment here. For, and I saw a lot of young players. I'm not going to say exactly who I saw, but a bunch of young players uh, that the Raiders are counting on uh, that we're putting in the work right now, in spite of all the vote not to participate in OTAs and you know all of that, uh, there is a commitment here uh, by the by a lot of these young players to make sure that they do get in this building uh, and do put in the work, and that's hugely critical because what, what what did we just talk about? The Raiders have to get young players to step up, um, and you know we can make all the excuses we want. Uh, Damon Arnett had an injury-plagued year last year. Um, Jonathan Abram was playing his first full season after essentially missing his entire rookie year the year before. And even, you know, last year was a rough year uh, for, for Jonathan Abram. Uh, there, were, there were weeks that went by where he wasn't even allowed into the building because of, you know, COVID-19 uh, uh, tracing um, and where he would miss an entire week of practice or have to stay home during the entire week of practice, and then go play Sunday. That's hard to do. Um, so there were extenuating circumstances for a lot of these young players being in a very chaotic first year when you throw in the COVID-19 and the disruption to, to last year's OTAs uh, and to training camp on top of the injuries and everything else that they had to deal with. So um, there are some excuses, there are not excuses, but explanations on why certain players didn't have uh, the rookie years that that some people had hoped that they would have. But explanations can only go so far. It's time for some of these young guys to make big step forwards. And for this to work next year, especially defensively, and in some cases offensively with Henry Ruggs uh, and, and the Brian Edwards, guys need to step up and guys need to get on a path to success um, and there is talent here for that to happen, but it has to happen, and that's why it is encouraging uh, when you you know uh, driving over here today to the facility and seeing so many cars in the parking lot, 
and a lot of these young players putting in the work. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Coming down the home stretch, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Tuesday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're talking about the draft. Uh, we're talking about... What you want to do with that 17th pick? Do you want to um, stand pat? Uh, there's a lot of valid reasons to do that. Uh, pick pick up an offensive tackle. Um, and then that second round, number 48, uh, pick up the free safety. Uh, and then after that, um, a lot of depth, defensive line. Got to rebuild that out, continue to rebuild that offensive line. Um, remember, a lot of the players at the rate, Denzel Good, all of the defensive linemen outside of Yannick Ngakwe uh, that the Raiders signed, uh, the two wide receivers uh, that they signed, um, you know, Brown from the Buffalo Bills and Willie Sneed from uh, the Baltimore Ravens, everyone essentially has been signed to, to one-year contracts. So there's, in fact, I, last I checked, I think the Raiders only have about 24 players uh, that are on the, uh, the the roster are under contract uh, for next year. A lot of what they did this offseason were one year deals. Uh, there's various reasons for that. Sometimes uh, the players themselves uh, understanding, um, you know, the the fact that there was a, uh, a, a salary cap that got decreased by 16 million dollars. Um, they understood that. Probably not the best time to sign a long-term contract. Uh, I'll sign a short-term deal, prove my worth, get back out in the open market next year when hopefully uh, the salary caps start going back up again. Uh, so there was there were strategic reasons for the team and for players uh, to keep a lot of these contracts to one-year deals. But what it opens up uh, is uh, a roster next year that, um, is, is, is at this point, <laughs> uh, there's not many guys that are, that are under contract for the Raiders next year, uh, at this point. Um, so you're going to have to start thinking about in these later rounds coming up with development players that are going to be able to replace, uh, players that are leaving as early as next year. So if you stand pat at number 17 and get your tackle, if you stand pat at number 48 and get your safety, once you get into that third round where the Raiders have two picks uh, and then beyond, now you can start talking about development players uh, that can hopefully come in and contribute day one, uh, but more along the lines of being able to uh, be replacements for players that are invariably going to leave uh, next year. Um, you know, uh, as far as leaving as free agents. Uh, they're only on one-year deal. Sorry, I was uh, getting a text right there. Some other things are kind of bubbling to the surface uh, here, um, which uh, we will probably talk about either today uh, or tomorrow. Um, and uh, and uh, I'll just leave that uh, at that. But again, it was encouraging today to see all the cars that were in the parking lot uh, at the Raiders facility uh, in, in, in terms of guys that are that want to put the work in. One thing that's working for the Raiders in the Raiders' fa favor right now um, 
is the fact that a lot of guys are living here year-round now. Las Vegas um, is a very desirable place. I know when people think about Las Vegas, uh, they think about the Strip. Um, and, you know, uh, obviously <laughs> that's the driving force here in Las Vegas, and it's what we all uh, know when it, when it comes to Las Vegas. But there's so much more uh, to this area. There's beautiful suburbs. Uh, there's beautiful areas to raise families. If you're talking about Summerlin or here where we are uh, in, in Henderson, uh, there's parks, there's walking trails. You, know, you could get to the snow uh, in an in a hour or so drive. Uh, there's lakes. Uh, you're nearby some great you know, parks and things like that. It's a great place to raise a family. Plus, it's really affordable. So, uh, And you're always a very short drive away from the epicenter of fun, uh, which is Las Vegas. There's no – you can't – it would take years uh, to, to frequent every single great restaurant uh, that's over there on the Strip, let alone here in Henderson and, and over in Summerlin, uh, or see every great show. And it's always changing anyway. So the minute you, 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 you've been to every single great restaurant, five more have opened up uh, that you got to go check out. So uh, there's a lot to do here uh, in Las Vegas. And oh, by the way, it's very affordable. And oh, by the way, there's no state tax. So uh, guys are staying here year round, and that's not the case for all 32 markets uh, in the NFL. There's some places uh, that you know players, as soon as the season's over, they're hightailing it out of town and getting on the next, you know, whether it's a plane or loading up the pickup truck uh, to drive back home to Florida or Texas or California, wherever it is that they year live. Uh, on a year-round basis. And so when you're talking about teams like, you know, Green Bay, Detroit, Cleveland, uh, places like that where, you know, sorry to say, but uh, it's not as, um, you know, it, 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 it's you work there. You don't live there. You work there. Um, and, and, you know, not try to knock any of those cities, but that's the fact of the matter. So for some of those teams, it's, you know – when we're talking about this boycott or skipping and just doing all the virtual stuff that players are doing right now across the league, that means in a lot of places like Green Bay, if they go down that path, or Detroit, which they already have decided to go down that path, you're not ha- there aren't a lot of guys that are living there year-round to be able to get into the facility to get into that weight room and work with your strength and conditioning coach, utilize the field with a bunch of, uh, of your teammates to get agility work in. That's different here in Las Vegas because players uh, are, are deciding to live here. So uh, the access and the, um, the chemistry building, because there's so many guys uh, that, are, that are utilizing um, you know, the, uh, the facility together, uh, it's only going to help. And that's on top of the fact that there's a bunch of players, 20 or so players on a daily basis, not a daily basis, but throughout the course of the week, uh, that are getting out uh, onto onto local parks uh, together to practice. They're allowed to use a football, no coaches, obviously. Uh, but that's only going to help uh, as well. But, again, it's imperative. It's important um, that these young guys with the Raiders take advantage of every second that they have uh, to be able to, to get better. And that's not just as an individual. Um, we saw last year that – that young defense just was never on the same page. They weren't connected. Uh, they were running into each other <laughs> sometimes. Uh, they were not, you know, there were defensive backs. One guy was running a cover two. Another guy was running a cover one or a cover three. Um, one guy was in zone. The other guy was in man. It just, it never seemed like 
there was a consistent time where this defense was like a tight unit and all on the same page. Um, and part of that's coaching. I think part of that was an experience. I think part of that was you're talking about last year. There were seven new starters that they were trying to uh, to get into the uh, into the program uh, onto the field together, uh, and and no off season to work with. So there was a combination of things that really hurt that defense, and they're valid. It's it, there's valid explanations on why this defense struggled that go above and beyond just talent. Obviously, talent plays a huge role, um, but. Uh, also coaching does, uh, chemistry does, being on the same page, uh, developing trust uh, with each other, especially on defense. There's so much of defense that is about, hey, are you going to be, are you doing what you need to be doing? I'll do what I need to do. We have to do this all in conjunction because watch how many times on a defensive line where there's guys that are sucking up double teams in order for linebackers uh, to come in, you know, uh, run in and, and, and make plays. Uh, watch how many times, you know, there's there's a, a stunt where one guy's curling over this way and another guy is coming in, circling around to fill that hole or take advantage of that hole to go get the quarterback. Everybody has to be on the same page um, to do that. It's it's 11 guys operating as one unit, and each player has a specific role uh, to play, and and everyone has to do it. Everyone has to, uh, you know, f- uh, execute their responsibility. And far too often last year, that just wasn't the case. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that guys just weren't able to get in uh, to the building last year. And it's good to see them here. Uh, I'd like to see next month uh, when we start getting into the on-field aspect. I'd like to see uh, a bunch of players out there, but a lot has to happen for that to happen. It'll be interesting to see how many of the guys that are showing up right now are going to be showing up to work out uh, on the field when it gets to that point. Um, that's kind of where the where you know that dividing line is is going to probably be established because I think that that's what the union. The union wants everybody on the same page uh, as far as that goes. The union wants nobody to come to buildings uh, to take part in that voluntary on-field aspect. They're using COVID-19 kind of as the cover of this. It's it's not COVID-19. If it was COVID-19, then guys wouldn't be coming in here at all. And they're coming in here quite a bit. It's it's a bigger issue than that. Uh, The 17th game that the NFL added – doesn't sit well uh, with, with the players, um, and so they're they 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 feel like we gave up a little bit too much than we wanted with that 17th game. Now we're going to use OTAs as leverage to get something that we want, whether it's a condensed off-season program, whether it's the complete elimination of an off-season program, um, whether it's a tweaked off-season program. They're after something, and they're using this right now. Uh, as leverage, I think it would be a huge mistake if they did away with OTAs. I just, I just do. I talked about this yesterday. I think the fact that some of these older players are guiding this uh, is selfish thinking, and the reason why I say that is because all of those older players, established players, guys that are on their second contracts, guys that you know um, created their niche in this league, made their mark in this league are, and are now in a position, uh, an established position, they utilized the very steps that they're now 
turning their nose up on, okay? And worse than that, they're putting pressure on younger players to follow suit. So they're telling younger players, yeah, I, I used the steps that I'm telling you to reject right now. I used it to get to where I am, but I'm telling you uh, that you don't need it and we should do away with it. I think that's selfish thinking. Uh, let those young players decide on their own. Uh, and don't put pressure on them to, to follow suit or to follow your lead. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's selfish to have used those very steps to get where you are and turn around and deny the young players, the next generation, those same steps. I just think, And I think that the game is going to suffer as a result. Yeah, you can point to last year and they, they play the season. It came off. Uh, the quality of play was you know, decent enough. But I don't think that that's sustainable. I think that tackling was down last year. I think fundamentals were down last year. Uh, scoring was way up last year. I don't think that that's something that we really want to see all the time. We want to see good defenses too. And I think defenses um, were hurt, hurt most uh, by a lack of o- o- OTAs. I also think obviously not having fans in the stands uh, hurt defenses. Uh, but I, I just think it would be short-sighted, and I think it would affect the game negatively if you took away this development aspect uh, of the NFL uh, calendar. That's my two cents. I've seen enough of it. I've been at OTAs. I've been at the practice. I, I know that it means something. I know it's important for young players to be able to transfer what they're learning in the classroom uh, onto the field and, and try to establish a foundation for themselves moving forward uh, at this time of year, away from the cameras, away from the games. There's no pressure of having to perform on Sunday. You can make your mistakes, um, you know, and, and, and learn and progress. That's what this time of year uh, is, is all about. So, um, you know, I, again, I think it would be short-sighted if the union followed through and just tried to really eliminate all this. I don't think the owners are going to go for that. Um, but, We'll see. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a volatile situation, and they do call it voluntary. So players are in their rights not to show up because, by definition, it's voluntary. However, uh, one caveat to that, a lot of players also have uh, bonuses tied into participation in OTAs. I think, what is it, um, Denzel Good, I believe, $480,000, somewhere along around that number of his salary next year or of the money that he's going to make this season is tied into him participating uh, in OTAs. If you're the union, you're going to tell him, hey, don't go and sacrifice that $480,000. Get out of here. You know, Denzel Good has has every right to say, look, I understand that I'm part of a union here, but that's $480,000 you're asking me to eat. And you're sitting up there uh, having already used OTAs for the first part of your career uh, to get where you are, and you're telling me, yeah, just eat that four hundred eighty thousand dollars for the better good of the players' union. No way, you know, uh, no way at, at all. And there's a lot of players that are in that category. I uh, want to say thanks to all the callers. Uh, you know that we appreciate the energy and the insight, uh, the opinions. Uh, so. Um, Always, always thank you. You're why we do that. I uh, want to say thanks to Embajador Tequila for being the great um, uh, sponsor. Uh, there's a lot of big things that are happening with Embajador Tequila. I can't wait to get to them uh, and let the, let the cat out of the bag and let you know what's going on. Uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador.